So let's go to Ecclesiastes 12. Brother Staten gave his devotion out of Ecclesiastes 12. Now, I'm not going to do the whole chapter. He spent much of his time in the first part of the chapter. I'm going to spend my time in the last part of the chapter. <coughs> now, this, again, is a product of the wise mind of King Solomon, who the Holy Spirit inspired him to write this book, every word of it. And that's why it's so, so right. So Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the last chapter, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, I always ask the question, what man? This is the whole duty of man. What man? Every son of Adam. And all human beings are sons of Adam. This is our sole purpose for living. Now, if you're going to put a title on this message, it's going to be called into accounting. This is not just for professed children of God. This is for every human being that has ever lived or ever will live until the end. This is for all of us. Say, so, well, does God have a right to do that, to put us under that kind of judgment? He most certainly does by his right of ownership, his right of creation. He's the sovereign God of this universe, and he has the sovereign right and exercises that sovereign right to command all of his created beings. Many of them don't believe that. Matter of fact, that's exactly why the majority of people have subscribed to the vicious, wicked, diabolical teaching of evolution and millions of years. There's no science to any of it. But many of those so-called scientists who have promoted it, for example, Charles Darwin, who was not a scientist, not in any way, shape, matter, or form. He went to theological school. He was not a scientist. None of those early writers were scientists, but yet they get treated as great scientists. But even the modern day ones, 
they will admit, or many of them have, the reason that they believe in, that's what, there's nothing to accept. They have to believe in it. That's why it's a religion. But they have chosen that religion because they will not have this God telling them what they must do and must not do. That's why. But this message is all about being called into accounting. Now this, some, some disagree with this. Luke 16, I'll get back to Ecclesiastes in a minute. But in Luke 16, Jesus gives us this. Verse 1, he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Now, some of the commentaries say, well, you can't use this for judgment. Well, I beg to differ with them. At least you can use it as an illustration of the accounting of a stewardship. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg, I am ashamed. So, he says, I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou to my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore, eighty, instead of a hundred. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. He's done what he has to do to protect himself. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can turn, serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I know that's a parable. There are a lot of questions about that parable. But my whole issue for that is to show that even in that parable, that we are going to be called into account for everything God's given us, saved or lost. And there's my issue. So Ecclesiastes says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty 
of man, we could add mankind. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. <coughs> We're going to be called into accounting for our time. That's kind of fitting that Brother Staten in his devotion this morning, he read the whole chapter, 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes. It starts out, uh, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. Because they're good days. They're healthy, most generally, are healthy days. And days when you have the energy and the strength and the ability to get up and to serve the Lord. Because the days will finally come when the eyesight goes and everything else begins to go. And you can't. Now we hear people making deathbed confessions. And we have an example in the Bible of the rich man or the thief on the cross. There he is dying as a capital criminal and justly so. And there we find that God saved him. He didn't change his own mind. He didn't, he didn't grant his own repentance. God granted him repentance and faith. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. If that's not a testimony of salvation, I don't know what is. And a guarantee of eternal security. But you have to say that it was a deathbed confession. And it truly was. And there are some of those. They're few and far between, but there are some of those. Uh, but there are not many of them. Lots of times people get old and sick and they know death is not far from them. And then they want somebody to do something for them. They want to get, they want to get, because I don't want to go to hell. Well, where have they been all of their lives? Somebody said, well, I, I, know, I know my son was saved because he made a profession uh, and was baptized in Bible school when he was eight years old. What has he done from eight to 58? Well, he never went to church. He never... We never heard him saying that, but I know he was saying, no, you don't know any such thing. You don't know any such thing. If somebody's truly saved, they show that evidence in their life. Amen. You, can't, you can't have the Spirit of God living in you, and you never make any, show any evidence. He tells us to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do. Does God work in all of his elect to will and to do? I believe he does. Now, say, so, well, they never showed any fruit. Uh, and did not Jesus say, by their fruit, ye shall know them? Quit reasoning people into heaven. So, well, it's too horrible to think otherwise. It's fact. 
I don't like death. Not at all. And I'm thankful that it's the last enemy that shall be put down. But don't preach people into heaven at their funeral. Anyway, this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment. That's not just true for believers. That's true for all mankind. We must give account of our time. I don't know how much time you've got. I look at myself. I look at King David. He was 70 years old when he died. I've already lived 10 years longer than he did. I wouldn't put myself in the category of David. I mean, I believe he was a child of God and I'm a child of God. Beyond that, I wouldn't try to compare myself with David. <laughs> David and his mighty acts before God and all the things he did, even though he had so, you talk about he was truly a man, you're going to tell us about that? David was too. Abraham was too. But I wouldn't put myself in those categories. One time another Baptist preacher said to me, Brother Gum, you're the troubler of Israel. Well, no, I, I don't guess I am, but if I am, I'm certainly running in good company. Elijah, that's who that was said to. But he said he wasn't the trouble of Israel. He said Ahab was the trouble of Israel. Anyway, we have a certain amount of time. I don't know why I've lived. Now I've outlived my whole my whole immediate family, and many there's only one in my family that I haven't outlived, and that was Dorothy. She was lived into her nineties. I haven't lived that long yet. I doubt that I will. But anyway, other than that, I think I've lived about longer than anybody in my family. Maybe one or two on my mother's side lived a little bit longer. I think ain't either one of them lived a little bit longer than than I have. But here I am, eighty. And if I live, I'll be 81. My family didn't live that long. Why am I living? Why am I still here? I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. All of my time, I owe it to God. I don't have time to waste with a pity party. I think it was Elder Ward when he talking about people having a pity party and trying to invite everybody to it. But I got problems. Somebody said, how, how you doing, Brother Gum? I said, well, I can't hear, I can't see, and I can't walk. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good. I'm thankful I'm doing what I'm doing. But I still got somewhat of a mind that I can do what I'm doing. And as long as I've got it, I'm going to be doing. If y'all let me, I'm going to be doing what I'm doing. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't quitting nothing. Understand that. I'm not quitting nothing that I'm able to do. 
Because I'm going to give account to God for my time. So are you. Uh, quick to look at Ephesians 5. Now I realize I, 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 I'm kind of vacillating between saved and lost. But about have to, because it's kind of true for both, both groups. Amen. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Uh, circum is round. You got spectacles on, you're looking. Circumspectly means looking around, literally. Looking around where you're going, what you're doing, where your feet are. Walk, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. What's that old saying? Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. What's a child of God done going there? They're walking as a fool, that's what. Watch where you're walking. Watch who you're walking with. Say, so, well, lost people don't need to worry about that. Yes, they do. Because they're going to give account for their time and, and what they've done with their time in this life. Amen. Look at verse 16 now. But not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming. See, that's the same word. Christ, the Redeemer, he bought us back from the slave market of sin. His people, he did. And you see, you've got, you've got time. If you're alive, you've got time. You don't know how much more you've got, but you've got time right now, and you've had time, and every bit of that time, you owe it to God to redeem it, to buy it back, and use it for his honor and glory. Because the days are evil. They're not indefinite. They're not into infinity. Our days in this life, they'll become evil because that means they're coming to a close. And that's true of every one of us. We'll all, unless the Lord comes, go into a hole. I guess they get cremated and they don't want to do with that, but it's the same, same difference. Our time will be called into account. Now, there's some people, I'm seeing more of them in the obituaries, people living into their 90s. And then a few, I've one other day with 105. They've always had people live that long, but they're. And they seem to be on the increase. But then again, I look in the obituaries and I see 16, 22, 36. And every decade. And I don't want to say this to sound cruel or anything. I'm not trying to be that way. If you only live to be 25, 
That was 25 years that God gave you to fear Him and to keep His commandments. And if you didn't do it, you're going to have you called into account. What do you think is going to happen? Well, let's look over there. We'll have to go there sometime anyway. Look at Revelation 20. Revelation 20. Verse 11, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Well, now, if it's according to their works, then they're going to be judged for their works. So, well, I don't forgot what they all were. God hasn't. He's got a book of remembrance. The book of Malachi talks about that. And I know these brethren that say the law is done away with, they're liars. I believe the Ten Commandments will be one of the books right there at the great white throne judgment. Doesn't he say, fear God and keep his, what is that? Commandments. Well, they certainly are not gone away here. Matter of fact, the Ten Commandments, they're all the way here at the end. And so, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. That's not talking about fish. It's talking about human beings. You know how many dead bodies are in the ocean? I used to have to fire the squad, the one of the rifles on the 21-gun salute, burying them at sea. Guys that had retired out of the Navy, and they would at times have the whole coffin, but then they had their ashes, but then they'd have the request, and we would honor the request. We'd go to sea, I don't know, far out, way away from land, and have the burial ceremony, and they throw that urn or throw, slide that coffin uh, out of the flags uh, or whatever bag, whatever they put them in. Anyway, bury them in the ocean. And that's, I mean, that's just every day that happens probably, let alone all the ships that have sunk. You know how many ships went to the bottom of the ocean just during the Second World War? And how many ships have floundered around the Cape of Good Hope, the, the Horn of South Africa and South America, and how many ships went down off the coast of South Carolina and North Carolina, all the wrecks there, the, the, that triangle, you know, that 
all over the world. Big ocean. Lots of bodies in that ocean. I don't know. There might be nearly as many as there is on, on, the, on the land. I don't know. There's a bunch. But it says the sea gave up the dead. Do you realize what kind of a specter that is? The sea giving up the dead? And death and hell, that's the grave. And the place of torment is where, where the rich man is. Death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them. They didn't come up dead bodies. They came up with resurrected bodies. But resurrected and not glorified, but made where they can be punished eternally. And they were judged, every man, according to the works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But what do you think is going to be talked about there? And let me do away with this. That... Uh, witnessing program that came out of Florida. <coughs> the churches around here went quiet over it. Uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, but anyway, it started out and said, uh, when, I, when you stand before God and God asks you, why should I let you in my heaven? What will you say? Well, that ain't going to happen, folks. That's a Blatant lie. Uh, evangelism explosion, that's what that was called. Yeah. We never did, we never did adopt that here. They did a lot of churches around Lexington. Uh, but you can't start a program or a testimony of truth with a lie, can you? Amen. They won't write itself, will it? That will never happen. But I'll tell you, there's going to be some talk there. But it won't be a dialogue. All right. Amen. Because all you're going to be able to say is guilty. Open not their mouths. And God is going to call into account everything that you've ever done and haven't done. And one of them is accounting for all of the time that God gave you. The Proverbs say that the hoary head, that's white. Hoary is H-O-A-R-Y, means white head. Is a crown of glory if it be crowned in righteousness. But what if it isn't crowned in righteousness? What if it is in unrighteousness? And there are old men and old women who have been serving Satan their whole lives, 80, 90, 100 years, and they're just as bitter and sinful and wicked. The only thing holding them back is they don't have the physical capability of doing what they've always done. They can't do it, but they still delight in it. And they stand before God in all of those years, all of that time to give account for We're going to give account. And we who are believers, 
We're going to give account of all of our time from the time we were saved until the time we die. <coughs> and what are you doing for the Lord? Well, I come to church once in a while. Is there anything else to do for the Lord? I understand church going is not all of it. I understand that. But are you actively serving the Lord in your life? Are you witnessing? Can somebody come to you and they want a, a Bible question or a, how, how must I be saved? Are you, are you known enough that they'll come to you and you are ready to witness and talk to them and discuss the word of God with them? I mean, we all have some kind of relationship away from the house of God. Don't we? I mean, somehow, I mean, in our families, at work, at school, our neighborhood, we all have some relationship. And we all have talents. Now, I understand that talents are used as measure of weight. But the word is very closely connected with talents as we have abilities to do certain things because it, it has relationship with a gift. And talent, money, they're close. You get my point. And so... Everybody can't do everything, that's for sure. But you've been given certain talents to do certain things. Are they being used for the Lord? If you're not even saved, have you used your talents for the Lord? Or are you just using them for you and your immediate family? And could you call that a selfish life if that's where it's limited to? And you will be counted, called into account for that. And save people. I know, I know there are people, I love my wife, I love my children, and everything's for them. Do you think you'll be called into account for that? What about the Lord? Fear God, keep His commandments, redeem the time, and your time and your talents must also be used for the Lord. Now, there's lots of things that go on in the service of God that you have talents to do. And you know what? Pretty much, pretty much the Lord's work goes begging for talent many times. Now, if there's a big church and a lot of people, a lot of money, a lot of publicity and all that, well, they don't have any trouble getting the music people and all that. Uh, but I'm talking about churches that it doesn't, it's not really profitable for you to be a member of them. Do you use your talent? And I've said this many times before. The denominations, if you want to call them that, they have many, they have uh, bankrolls where people have donated whole estates to them 
And what do they do with it? They teach against the Bible. The Rockefellers. Now there was a time way back that they supported the Big Baptist Church in Manhattan, New York. Until Harry Emerson Fosdick got there. Probably a few before him. And the next thing you know, they're teaching rank heresy and they've still got all that money from the Rockefellers. And not just the Rockefellers, many other fortunes have gone to religious organizations. But you know what? Poor little old churches that preach the whole counsel of God got not only proper Bibles, but good Sound works, can't hardly afford to get them printed and distributed. Missionaries that go to preach the gospel, the whole counsel of God on foreign fields, practice starve to death. And it happens all over. Why? Because people take their time and their talents and what God has given them, even those who claim to be saved, and they don't support God's work. They leave it to heathen families who dive into more heathenism after they're gone. And that's what will happen. Anyway, so we'll give account of our time. We give account of our talents. Saved and lost, you will. I love some music, not all of it. If it honors the Lord, I've never been a, a fan of commercial gospel singing. I know people that, boy, they'd go to a gospel singing, this group or that group, and just spend a lot of time there. Go to Nashville on that big, every year have a big gospel thing coming from all over. But boy, when the preaching starts, they're gone. They want the singing. They want the entertainment. They're even willing to pay for it, big bucks for it. But they want nothing to do with the preaching. Well, I've never been a fan of them. I've seen too much out of them. I won't mention any groups, but there's several. They're old now. They're done quit now, but some of them. They were really popular gospel groups until they hit on a song that the world liked. And the next thing you know, they're no longer gospel. They're pop, country, pop. And boy, they've made their fortune now. But they started out with the gospel, claiming to be servants of the Lord. But they're there for the money. Uh, I've seen them. We saw it down at Beverly's brother, who's a preacher. He's dead now. We went down there. He was preaching a revival meeting at a Baptist church in Berea. And they liked all the singing. And 
He came all the way from north of Indianapolis, came down to preach for him. He was a good preacher. And we went down there to that church, pretty good-sized place. They had a singing group from I don't know where they're from, but they paid them, you know. Well, they sang and sang and sang and sang and sang and sang. And they left about 15 minutes for him to preach. The pressure was on him. But you know what they did first? They packed up their stuff and hightailed it out of there. They never heard him preach a word. Said, God help me. If I ever have somebody come here like that, I'll embarrass them. If anybody ever came here like that, going to sing for us and then leave before the preaching, whoever's preaching, I would embarrass them going out that door. And they'd never be back, I'll tell you that. Of course, they won't be here to start with. And I'm not going to have them. But I, won't, I just, I, I can't stand that. Oh, I'm getting off my point. But my point is that, that, that the talent that you've got, do you know how many multi-million dollar singers there are that they started singing in a church? And then they took it to the world. And they made the big bucks. And they lived the, the devil life that the rest of them lived. But they, they honed their talents at church. Because that's a place that you can, can do it. And people just love the singing. And they love the singing. And they think if a, if a man's singing, he must be called of God. That's the way they think. You know, in the tabernacle, it's kind of, it's not off the subject, but in the tabernacle, you know, on the altar of incense, there was incense that they burned on the altar of incense, the golden altar of incense, right before the veil within. But do you know what? That incense had a, it had a list of, directions it had a what do you call it recipe. recipe and God put his warning on that recipe he said that recipe is to be used on the altar of incense and nothing else if you use it something else he said my judgment's on you Could that be compared to somebody developing a singing voice at church and then turning from the Lord and taking it to the world? I think he's right on it. Everything in the Lord's service must be done according to the recipe, according to the pattern. We'll give account for our material goods saved and lost Amen. how have you used what God has given you nothing wrong with supporting your family everything right with it 
but not to forget the Lord. We'll give account of our influence on others. Do you know what, like on Facebook, you got people influencing people on everything. But you know what? If you influence on somebody and that goes against God, you know you're going to be punished for that. You know you're going to be judged for that. What is your influence on others? Lost people as well as saved. Because you're going to give account when you stand before God. Not only your time, not only your talents, not only your material goods, but you're going to give account for the influence that you have on other people. <coughs> Paul said, <coughs> we don't live to ourselves and we don't die to ourselves. He said, we must not be selfish in our lives. We must have influence on others. Well, think about people, even lost people. They got kids. How about your influence on your kids? How about that? Now, you can't guarantee anything. I couldn't guarantee it. Nobody else could. But I know one thing. My kids can't come back and say, well, you never taught me anything. You never, you never taught me anything. You never showed me anything. You never took me to Sunday school and church. Ain't none of them can say that to me. I even tried to develop them all with piano playing. Paid, didn't have the money, but I paid money to have them, give them piano lessons. Not a one of them ever touched piano lessons. I can't help what they've done with it. But I know one thing. I was there trying to influence them. And I'm not promoting myself because I've got a lot that I haven't done. But I'm telling you that we'll all give account for all of that. And then I want to say this. Look at 1 Corinthians 4. Of course, this is for saved people. But lost people ought to listen to it. Amen. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. And stewards, there's that steward thing again. We talked that parable yeah. of the ministers of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. How successful have you been, Brother Gunner? I have no idea. But my requirement from God has been to be faithful. Amen. And he says, but with me, Paul says this to the church at Corinth. Obviously, he was getting some flack from them. With me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or by you. Or of man's judgment. Oh, now you know that's where we all have a problem. Man's judgment. Being judged by men. Word about being judged by men. Paul said it's a small thing with him. But your judgment or man's judgment. And he says, yea, 
I judge not mine own self. <laughs> That's something, isn't it? For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Hey. I'm not your judge. <laughs> I'm under a judge, folks. I'm not your judge. Lord, help me. I'm not your judge. I'm under the judgment of Almighty God, just like you are. Maybe even more so because of my position. Paul said, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. Oh. And will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Oh. And then shall every man have praise of God. If there's any praise coming. Of course that's talking about saved people. Yeah. Yeah. Say what are, you, what are you going to get. In that I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know where I stand. I don't. I know where I stand. I don't know where I stand before the Lord. What he's going to judge me with. I don't know. Don't worry about it. I can't handle it anyway. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. And the Lord's going to judge me. But now, I'll tell you what used to get me in, in trouble with the Lord. When I was a kid, I saved when I was nine years old. And I had to fight this. What will my school buddies think about me <laughs> do you know <coughs> well now most most kids I went to school was dead but I don't know that I've ever seen one or two of them since since I left school even since I left college. Seen a few of them. Why would I worry about what those guys at school, boys and girls, thought of me when it won't take you turn around twice, you'll have to have a name card to even know who they are. I never went to one of my school reunions, but I, I was invited. And you know why I didn't go? Because every single one of them on that ticket or the thing that said where you say I'm coming, it had open bar. I never went to one. What in the world am I going to be doing going to something, a, a shindig like that, and the open bar, it opened an hour or two before it ever started. There are going to be three sheets in the wind when I get there. And I know if they don't have name tags on, I won't know who they are. Same way with me. I just never did figure it was a place for me to be. And why in the world would I be remotely concerned 
about what they thought about me when I'm trying to serve the Lord when they're not my judge. God Almighty is my judge. And I will stand before him at the white throne judgment. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 6, therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not, and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him, because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This is talking about saved people. And then knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's talking about saved people. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your own consciences. We don't give account to men. We don't give account to preachers, to pastors. We don't give account, we don't give account to anybody, but only to God. What was our text? This is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of mankind. Now let me tell you what. I'll finish with this. For lost people, there it is. The law has not been abrogated or done away with. It's right where it started. And when God holds you in judgment, you will give account if you've had any other gods before God. Ooh. No one can get past that one. And the idolatry and the cursing, the Sabbath, the day of the Lord, Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long on the earth. Is that binding? Are those laws binding on everybody in the world? Yes, they are. And those that have not had the law read to them, they've got it in their hearts. And they become a law unto themselves, Romans 2. But then he says, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not kill. That means murder. 
There's more murdering going on now than ever before. There's so much of it. And murderers don't even get punished. They punish political problems. Political disagreements. They've had Donald Trump in court ever since he said he's going to run for president. And they're still trying to get him. And you've got the biggest bunch of criminals in Washington now that we've ever had. And they all ought to be behind bars. But let me tell you what. You take your hand, a gun, a knife, a hammer, a club, a ball bat, you murder another human being who is made in the image of God. So, well, maybe I'll get one that's not made in the image of God. You can't do it. They're all made in the image of God. They're human beings. Let me tell you that a murderer does not have eternal life abiding in them. So, well, we need to forgive them. You can't forgive them. You ain't capable of forgiving murder. The only one who can forget it is the one who got murdered, and he ain't alive to forgive. Listen to all these sob sister, so-called preachers. They, they forgive, forgive everything. We're, we're, we're forgive, we believe in forgiveness. Oh, I believe in forgiveness, yeah. Because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. that he paid the sin debt for all of his people. Lock, stock, and barrel. But that does not let lost people out of it. What are you going to be judged for? Every work that you've ever done or haven't done that goes against God. Every last one. God help us. Let's stand.